Hello and welcome to the No Odds Pod Witchcraft Podcast. I'm also doing this in sign language, but it's a podcast, so you probably can't tell that. It's a bit annoying. I didn't really think about that, did I, Chris? Oh, well. <laughs> Today's an interesting episode. It's one that's been on the list to do for a very, very long time. Um, and it's one that I'm really hoping is going to make people think. I'm really hoping it will actually empower people as well. How often do I say that? Well, wow. Ease of access. Now, I am not very politically correct, partly because I don't really have any interest in being politically correct, mainly because I struggle to keep up to date with what terms and things you're supposed to use for different types of people and, and stuff. Ease of access is normally a a menu or feature or something like that in things like Microsoft Windows or, you know, iPhone, that sort of thing, technology. Uh, It normally loads up options and configurations that you can make for your computer or your device to make it easier for people that would be classed as disabled, right? Now, there are some people that say, you're not allowed to use the term disabled but i have no one's ever given me another word to use so i don't know whether that is acceptable nowadays or isn't acceptable if it isn't acceptable i apologize but i just don't know what word you're supposed to use so i'm going to use the term disabled and i don't want people thinking that i'm doing it to be rude it's just the only term i was brought up with okay um so disabilities Essentially, from my perspective, there are things that the majority of people can do, okay, whether it's physical or mental, or some might even say potentially emotional, I don't know, vast majority, so common things that are just accepted that everybody should be able to do or usually can do, things like use their legs and walk is a classic kind of example. Now, there are some people that can't do that. There are some people that might have had a leg amputated, for example. They would be considered disabled. They might have a, a metal leg, like someone I know. Uh, there are other people that ha- might have legs, but they might not have uses of. They might have to use a wheelchair, for example. There are other people with things such as dyslexia and that. God knows much. I don't know much about that. Um, I just know that if you've got dyslexia, you were allowed to have the exam questions read to you out loud. What a dyslexia is, I don't know. People accuse me of having it. Where I bought it from, I couldn't tell you, but there we go. There's all sorts of things. Some things are obvious to the naked eye, other things not so much. One thing I've always been jealous of, Tourette's, right? Could you imagine me with Tourette's? That would be something to behold, wouldn't it? Now, today we're talking about disability and ease of access in terms of making magical practice easier in terms of a group then for other people that may not be as able-bodied or have the same mental capacities as you do. But also possibly even more importantly than that because this is where we can still the secret knowledge and such Chris. more importantly perhaps understanding how other people that are not like us so disabled people potentially how they go about doing magic and whether there's something that we can learn from that so how does someone make sigil magic if they're blind do they even do sigil magic if they're blind what type of blindness are we talking about? Are we talking legally blind where they can tell the difference still potentially between night and day? They just can't make out details and stuff. Or are we talking blind as in they lost their sight when they were 16, 17? Or blind as in they've never, ever been able to see in this entire incarnation? You know, all these things, so many different people. That's just one thing, blindness. So many different types of blindness. Colour blindness is considered a type of blindness. Um... Where do you want to start, Chris? Big topic. Huge topic. The, the main reason I wanted to make sure it was on the list back then 
um, was because we constantly had questions, I think from kind of moots that have arranged, I think. I think that's how this one came along. Yeah. Where they talk about, um, you know, people taking part in, in group rituals and things and being able to make sure that every they could be as inclusive as possible because obviously that's the that's the um the tag word hashtag inclusivity is um is kind of the word that we kind of use you know how do we make sure that everybody can have equal access to everything um is one of those kind of modern modern concepts that we have to deal with um, and how does that apply magically? So, you know, lots of people focus on the whole, um, now we have Zoom calls. Um, you know, most of us can, um, you know, we do most of our calls internationally. Um, we don't fly out. We don't have that big a budget. Um, so we focus mostly on having access, <laughs> having access to people um using modern technology what parts of that does that afford access to some some people and not others obviously liam the robot gave the best possible robot answer he could give and went down to kind of windows windows ease of access um you know what exactly is is that so for me it's where the kind of big topics we need to kind of cover today is kind of how groups get together so how practicing together what changes can be made in order to make that easier so that somebody that wants to be in a coven um, who has access issues could still go and be part of a coven in this day and age so i think that's one thing we definitely need to try and cover today liam i think the other part is which is going to be the harder one and those those listening that are made masters of the wokeness um, oh. will need to actually take a chill pill today and actually listen oh, to what we're actually saying. They don't do chill pills, Chris. So, they well, they're going to have to because well, they otherwise they're going to spend most of this one very upset otherwise because I don't want to waste too much time talking about political correctness and wokeness and I want to actually get to what we can do Okay. So um I'm going I'm not gonna be the woke police for you today, Liam, and I'm gonna allow you to pretty much within reason say what you need to say. Um I think a big part of that is kind of getting to grips with, you know, we're not making any kind of argument about dis and ability, um those kind of that kind of organization, you know, organization of thought. What I need to kind of focus on is okay. If somebody has a loss of sight or at some point in their life, there is this concept of balancing out. There is this concept of other other senses um, extending themselves in order to kind of try and right that balance. So, you know, having to be more reliant on those other senses in order to get about so for that blind person that will mean that their sense of hearing might be more acute after that um you know they're more tactile so having to learn things like braille really relies on that tactileness kind of getting as 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 over sensory as possible to be able to tell by touch um, those teeny tiny bumps is a skill in itself but in order for that to operate there is an adjustment that the body is making to heighten those other senses so what i want to do is talk about that concept mm. so if somebody has uh you know uh, a mental challenge someone that suffers with um you know i'm going to blur the lines for disability here and kind of include and put on the table things like uh you know schizophrenia mental health all those kind of things can be thrown into this mix to talk about um, because I'm going to use the term disability as broad as I possibly can and not get all woke about what disability is or isn't. 
what I want to talk about is any kind of limitation and how can the how can us as magical practitioners get around that limitation whatever that is in order to um succeed more in practice mm. now i will go as basic as saying how on earth does somebody as a blind person has to have and has to develop because they've got no choice has to develop a really good mind's eye of knowing where things are in relation to each other now i hear lots of practitioners struggling with you know basic basic bitches struggling with the concept of how do i do a meditation oh i'm not very good every time i, I close my eyes i fall asleep um you know i'm really struggling with that mind's eye aspect which isn't something that comes naturally to everybody some people are much easier at that a visualization um and other people just can't do it or at least i'm, I'm going to use the word can't because that's the word they use i think it's actually won't um but that's because i feel like eek uh, you know maybe i'm being too woke here i think actually when it comes to the astral body um everything's up for grabs as far as i'm concerned so there is that kind of as above so below that we may have to cover at the other side where we can be a bit less sensitive about it might have to wait until they pass the watershed um because i think that's probably going to get too easily offended by that but let's start with as basic as that so in order for you to have a full awareness of your surroundings and to be able to navigate that space blind and you could try this at home you could literally put a blind you know put a blindfold on uh, of any kind t-shirt whatever wrap it round your head scarf as we're getting into those winter months now and try and navigate that space now you know what that space looks like because you look at it every day because you are not blind can you navigate that the second you take your sight away how easy actually is that for you bearing in mind you actually know what that space looks like now if you've never had sight then how are you supposed to navigate that space having no idea what that look, that space looked like to begin with just to kind of give you on the most basic level a surface level understanding of what loss of one of those abilities are now the reason i kind of want to have this discussion kind of now is kind of twofold one is because um you all need to be aware with the conversations we've been having recently is that there may be some changes afoot and that means that you can't rely on the things that you are good at you need to balance that board a little bit more so that you are able to adapt if suddenly that thing you're really good at you are no longer good at like star wars when yoda or whoever it is made a luke skywalker put blindfold on to do his jedi training and that or like they do in those martial arts movies where oh yeah you fight with the weapons and the swords and that but then they blindfold you and you get beaten up and then you learn like mr Miyagi, you learn to feel the motion of stuff and that and then you can do all sorts of crazy ass ninjutsu shit with a blindfold on right yes chris people want to be able to do crazy ass magical ninjutsu shit just closing their eyes hmm. are you telling them they can i'm telling them that they can and actually to get to the levels of practice that you're going to need to survive this next wave if you want to keep those little magics that you're used to having um and potentially gain more then you're going to have to keep that in mind of if i suddenly couldn't do it this way how would i do it um and i think from a disability point of view i think that's where i want you to be focusing it is if i suddenly lost this sense tomorrow could i still practice 
-hmm. And the, re the example I'm going to give on a magical point of view is I'm going to give astral sight as the, the obvious one of kind of going, okay, if suddenly I took away your astral sight, because, you know, let's, let's just say all things are on, on the table during war. Um, I'm going to take your astral sight away. Again. So <laughs> what are you going to have to do in order to navigate around the fact that you can't use your sight? Well, it's easy. I'm going to cry for a bit and then I'm going to go to Liam. Is that is that what most of them will say? Well, go I'm to Liam. I just go by actions because actions speak louder <laughs> than words. So uh, I don't know at this point. I know there'll be some crying involved, Chris. Yeah, definitely. They'll be getting completely freaked out and people won't necessarily know what the next step is, but there'll be a lot of freaked out. So I think it's a bit like James Bond. In James Bond, there was the guy and they basically like got their fingers and pushed it into his eye sockets and he was blind and then he just kind of went into shock. I mean, he stopped fighting. Because he kind of like on a psychological level at a break and thought, well, if I can't see, I can't fight. I can't do anything. What am I? Am I worthless? What is the point? The other side is one. The enemy is one I no longer can see. It's just a matter of time before they snuff out my life. You know? Or like Kill Bill, my favourite film in all of the world. In the second volume, where Beatrix Kiddow plucks out Jarl Hannah's second eye, and she's a crying and going about saying, you bitch, you bitch, I'm going to kill you. She's stumbling about. Pai Mei, because she killed her. Clearly, she killed Pai Mei before he taught her how to fight blind, didn't it? Yeah. Shouldn't have poisoned his fish heads. That's the moral of that story. It's the moral of that story, definitely. Ego for you. Ego. So, yeah, so what I want to kind of focus on is that it's kind of you need to be as multifunctional as possible mm. so you should as part of your practice be pushing in the places that you are not good at if you are hoping to be successful yes now obviously i'm using the term you know loosely on on the fact that with disability obviously there are adaptions that can be made to the home to life you talked about a metal foot like you know there are ways to adapt and uh, equipment that can be used in order to make your terrain easier to work with as above so below there is a magical equivalent to that which is you having to power up in the spaces that you are not good at you need to balance out that equation you need to balance out those unfortunate disabilities we all have magically speaking because there is that which is why when you're studying with me and Liam we'll kind of always start with that kind of scratch testing with uh, particularly with the planets because they're neutral um, in their kind of um, execution which means that kind of getting to know where are my weak points you know if I'm missing a leg and I'm using this figurative here, missing a leg or an arm, um, or my hearing is gone. These, these are these are magical stand-ins, is what I'm talking about. So if my if my psychic ability isn't very good, then I need to be working on that. If my spell casting is shit, I need to be able to work on that. You know, something as complex as as kind of um, spell casting, there will be parts of that you might be good at other parts not so good so with that it'd be a case of actually i'm really good at fucking people up but i'm not very good at healing them now if you're good at fucking people up you should be good at healing them those are two sides of the same coin but that doesn't seem to correlate with some of the um some of the bitches that we have met over the years where it should be you know correlation tracks that it should be good at both of those things so is it the actual men mental conviction part, the kind of mind games part that you're not good at there? You know, I said about visualisation earlier, are you not very good at recall? 
are you not very good at memory? Is there a way for you to fix that? Is there a way for you to balance that out? All of these considerations need to be thought about for you. Where are you at now? Where should you be as a balanced practitioner? I know we covered some of this in the kind of um, Venus versus Mercury one, where we were talking about kind of how people naturally lean to one side or the other and trying to kind of get yourself back to this middle ground of being able to use them equally. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep pushing forward with the things that you are good at. What I'm trying to say is that if you suddenly weren't good at the thing you like doing best, how the fuck would you sort your life out afterwards? What will you do or how will you adapt in order to survive? Because survival of the fittest within magic. Now, we haven't got time to go through every single disability, whether it be physical or mental or what. So if people are adapting or trying to adapt magical practice to their own physical and mental capacities, then that's what the mentoring is for. We've both taken on individually and jointly different people with various different backgrounds there are various different magical abilities various different physical abilities and mental capacities and all all of that we've gone through so many different types of people at this point we can say yes we'll probably be able to do something in order to adapt magical practice for you the thing you need to get out of your mind is you need to get this I think political side of things out of your mind. So the political sides of this subject, I think are becoming a problem and stunt in the growth of magical practice. Because what I hear about when I hear people talking about disability and witchcraft and magic and paganism and stuff is, we're going and doing a ritual at Stanton Drew, but maybe we should change it because it's not wheelchair accessible, which normally responds with uh, people say, well, if it's not wheelchair accessible, it's not wheelchair accessible. We've always done it there. When they say always, they haven't been doing it for thousands of years. They've been doing it for like 15 years at the most, you know. We'll continue to do it there. And then if people that are disabled, they want to set their own one up somewhere, they can go and do it, right? Now, I don't blame people that want to go and do their ritual in the little stone circle that's not wheelchair accessible if they want to go and do that they can go and fucking do that if people want to set up another ritual that's similar but is wheelchair accessible they can go and fucking do that the problem is when people come to me and they say liam do you condone this do you think you can arrange or help me get to stand and drill i really want to go I'll say, no, I fucking ain't. This is what people don't understand. The reason why I don't care about whether rituals, public rituals that the pagans and such do, or moots and such, are wheelchair accessible, and I'm using that term because that's the one that's come up the most personally, is because if the wheelchair, the person in the wheelchair gets to that ritual, they ain't going to fucking learn anything. The reason they're not going to learn anything is because most of them are absolute shit, okay? Warping and such. Whenever you have a proper magical practitioner and you've got a ritual or something like that and there's someone, whether it would be children, whether it would be adults, it doesn't matter who it is, that has a disability, physical, mental, whatever it is, if you are legitimately a proper magical practitioner, you should be able to alter whatever fucking ritual you're doing to accommodate that person. Because you can use your magical knowledge to adapt the thing that you're doing. The big problem that I'm seeing is that these people that get the little fucking book, Wicked Book of Shadows, Buckland's Big Blue Book of Bullshit, They've all got to stand in a circle. They've all got to do this. They've all got to do that. And 
they don't know how to adapt things, partly because they don't really know how the thing that they're doing works in the first place. In fact, most of the time it doesn't fucking work. They go for a spooky experience hoping that it will work, which is no different than these paranormal investigators. Legitimate magical practitioners can and will be able to adapt things to suit people with disabilities. Whether they choose to or not is really up to them. Now, there's a big thing, I think, in traditional witchcraft where there are traditions and stuff that get, you know, get done, uh, get passed on and such. But these traditions do vary and they do change and such. The thing with coven work in particular is that the coven, generally speaking, will take in members like the fucking sword of Gryffindor it takes in only that which makes it stronger. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone has a disability, we'll stick with the wheelchair thing, does that mean that, that coven is gonna say, well, sorry, you've got a disability, you're not gonna be able to join? Potentially, potentially not. I've seen people, groups, physically put people that have no use of their legs on stretchers and carry them into the forest because that member of the coven is so integral and important in the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the family, whatever you want to talk about, so integrally important that they must be there. They must be a part of that coven, a part of that group, okay? Survival. If you've got some super duper awesome psychic, and you've got a coven that isn't particularly psychic, well-endowed psychically, let's say, they're going to fucking adapt their practices pretty fucking quick to get a psychic of that calibre in that fucking coven. So really, where it goes down is it goes down, uh, the problems arise with people wanting to learn magic, I think, and not being able to, because they're unable to find magical practitioners that are willing to teach them. Some of them may be willing to teach them, but won't do a very good job because they cannot understand how to teach a deaf blind person. Yeah. I can teach a deaf blind person. We'll go over the most of the heads of most Wiccans. They can't even see the fucking circle they're supposed to be wheeled into. Can't hear it either. Can't hear the chanting. You ask the deafblind person and say, I'll call the West, I'll call water, you call this, you call that. They've done it all and they're still there because they can't hear everyone are doing the calling. Didn't even hear you give them the instructions and tell them that you were supposed to be doing anything. Don't even fucking know that you're in the room. They don't know, right? All of this stuff. It is very difficult trying to find a practitioner that's, that's fucking any good in this day and age. I, I, I will admit that. It is about finding someone that can teach you or developing your practices. That is the only two things that you're realistically going to be able to do. You find someone or something to teach you or you develop things yourself. If you develop things yourself, you will have developed to either utilize or combat depending on which way you're lo- you're looking at it and what what disability you're struggling with you're overcoming that or using it to your advantage right which basically means if you've done that then there's probably going to be other people in the world that are going to want that magical knowledge which is where blind covens come in which most people would refer to blind covens as covens with practitioners with no psychic ability, I'm actually meaning physically blind covens, you know, similarities. Now, I've done enough workshops and stuff and taught enough people to know that if you get a bunch of people that are stereotypically fit and healthy with no outward signs of disability or inward signs of disability or anything like that, and you get them all to do psychic readings or tell them all how to do a psychic reading, half of them won't be able to fucking do it because they already do it differently. You get someone to, can you feel the energy here? Can you see the energy? Close your eyes and see the energy. See what manifestation this rosemary plant shows you. Some people are visual, some people will get it. Other people can't get fuck all, but they'll get the sensation, tingly sensation, they'll get the scent, they'll get something, right? 
these people are different. Everybody is different. The problem is, is when you're mixing with people that are too different from you, it can be very difficult for you to put yourself in the position of that person. And this is the problem with disability in general, understanding how to adapt things. Of course, if you've had a past life with that disability, you might learn a little bit. But most of these people can't access their past life or their future life for that matter. I rambled for a bit, so you better take over. <laughs> it's fine. You rambled over the over the um, the watershed, so we're on the Patreon. Aren't we'll, we let, we'll let you figure that out later. So the the main reason I always go, and those those two are always a great one to kind of um, balance for people because there is a kind of way in which you can try and experience it without doing anything drastic so um that's why I like blind the blind man is always a good example or a deaf person is really good example um the second is always somebody in a in a wheelchair those two are kind of they could happen to anybody then they're not integral and to necessarily have to be born that way these are things that could happen to you um you know you could suddenly go blind halfway through life for whatever reason macular degeneration or um you know an accident same with um same with wheelchair access you could lose a limb or whatever and at that point you're having to adapt to that point um and again you try and find so i like to use those examples because you could, as an able-bodied person, sit in a wheelchair and try and get that physical experience of what trying to get to Stanton Drew um, in a wheelchair would actually feel like. You can attempt to try and experience that to try and help yourself understand what is occurring. You'll never truly understand, not saying that, but my point is you can try and have those kind of thought processes through to try and make that work. Obviously, you've always got that issue of people that think they need to be at Stanton Drew in order to have this amazing experience. This or that we can only do that kind of special magical yeah. moment at a place like that. So yeah. the first part is, is there an adaption that could be made? Because you don't actually really need to be at Stanton Drew, do you? It's a nice idea. But actually, as a group, and to be inclusive, you don't all need to go to Stanton Drew. Ask um, a left-handed person. It's a right-handed person's world. Ask a left-handed person about adaptation in a right-hand world, Chris. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, that that as a group, you could make that decision. You don't need to necessarily go to Stanton Drew. Um the same if it was Stonehenge or whatever, it is quite simple for you all to have, you know, a Google on the internet or get a little piece of Purcelli bluestone um, from a mine in Wales and you could all have a little piece of that on you and connect yourself to Stonehenge if it really mattered and you could do that from anywhere. Um, you could do that from the outback in Australia if you really wanted to. Um, actually, what you're talking about there is this is magical practice. So if you're wanting to access things, you don't physically need to be there. Otherwise, we wouldn't do the kinds of exciting magic that we all do um, from our bedrooms or our back gardens. So, you know, one, I will rant and rant quite happily about the fact that actually none of that needs to happen. You quite want to be there. And actually, if it was appropriate and they were happy with that, I'm sure you could uh, take some chairs down there and and a stretcher and get that person to and from if really the team were actually really that hell-bent on being there. But actually, it didn't need to happen at Stanton Drew. That's a that's a something you would like to do that isn't necessary. So the big works could happen without you going to Stanton Drew. Um, you are supposed to be magical practitioners and you could all go to Stanton Drew without physically going there. Um, you know, if somebody was to go and get some of the ground from Stanton Drew 
or chip off a bit of a stone there or whatever it is in order to if you really need that physical connection but you're piss poor witches if that's all that actually is required for you to for you to actually physically be there in order for you to access that space um rant over i will now move on to the actual point which is those adaptations can be made you can have those experiences it is ridiculous however you also need to be thinking when it comes to group work you have always got to be mindful of the um I'm going to use this poorly now, but you kind of always have to talk about um, the weakest link. You are only as good as your weakest member. That weakest member isn't necessarily the person in the chair. Um, so one, don't assume that. But secondly, there is that kind of part of going, OK, how could we make this more inclusive, but at the same time, make it more interesting? So, for example, if you had got a person um, who was deaf, for example, in your group, um, or even just an older person that struggles with listening out, that doesn't mean that you necessarily avoid, you could potentially avoid all your singing bowls and the other bollocks that you're including. But an exciting way of actually exploring that as a group could be to focus on that individual that is um, not able to experience in one particular way. So that would be a, a really exciting thing to do with, I don't know, big speakers that mean that the whole group is working on vibration rather than working on particular sound because that person's deaf. So that already means one person, but you could all benefit from actually being able to work without that sound. So there are ways in which, you know, drum work, dance all those things could be included in order to make that actually a more magical process as a whole group and be inclusive at the same time um the same with kind of you know if it was a case of someone that was blind there are ways of making that whole thing more sensory in order to make actually it work for all of you using senses you don't normally use and the reason I wanted to kind of throw all that in is is to kind of go, well, actually, a disability doesn't need to be a disability if actually you're all taking that on board as a group. Obviously, as individuals, individuals practicing solitary, um, you know, the books will not make um, any reference to these ad adaptations so the only way that you're going to be able to discuss those kind of adaptations is with other practitioners and actually go in i want to do this i've read about this or you know um somebody's read the book to me it's an audio book everything's available audio now um or i don't know how many of them are actually in braille um but i'm sure we could figure something out if it was necessary um but you know like there are lots of ways that these things can be adapted in order to make them readable but at the same time the content isn't there so you won't find books that are written because they're the you know the minority of people trying to practice in those ways um means that that content isn't out there which is kind of why i'm i'm saying if this is something you're affected by then you kind of need to talk to people, other practitioners who actually will kind of think that and troubleshoot that through with you, actually plan it. Because I don't feel that just because you're a wheelchair um, user or you're blind or whatever, that that should mean that you can't practice to the full extent that you want to practice. Mm. What that's going to actually require is some jiggery-pokery thought practice in order to kind of figure out how would you have that same experience? Because not all blind people are going to want to light 600 candles in order to do a spell um, in the hoodoo way. There's going to be an adaptation that needs to happen for that to work. Ultimately, energy is available everywhere. So pulling it in is never a problem. 
actually that person could be the strongest person in that coven um, because they've met some real challenges in life, for starters. Um, so mm. actually already had to overcome more than the average person in life. You find some paraplegics that could potentially make for great magical practitioners because there are some that are very manipulative. Mm. They manipulate other people to be their arms and legs with minimal effort. So let's talk about the other side of things, which I I really don't want people to think that I'm being overly empowering and nice today, but it does need to be a topic of discussion. All this bullshit about adaptation and making things easier for disabled people when actually you should be thinking of what does your disability bring you that is a superpower, that is better. ADHD is a st stereotypical example of one that I think you tend to give with everyone yes. labels it a problem, but actually it can be turned into a superpower if one knows how to go about doing that. So what about embracing your disability whatever it is and making that your strongest asset as opposed to it being a you know so the reason i tend to use adhd as as a great example most of the time is because it means you to a certain extent experience time differently to somebody else who is um, neurotypical, kind of neuro neurodiversity has its own challenges, but also is its, super, its own superpower, which is why I struggle with people that say, oh, I can't do that because of this. I can't mm. do that because of this. Um, that's not available to me because I've got this. Like, it, everything that we do as human beings but also as magical practitioners, it has its potential challenges. There are things that we are naturally better at because of the way in which we are chemically built. Um, there are some kind of, you know, obvious, you know, obvious basics, like our brain capacity, for example. We know for a fact we use a remarkably little amount of what our brain should be able to do because our body can't process enough energy in order for you to access all your brain and power at one time. Um, obviously, if you happen to be one of these people that has a high IQ, then potentially you're accessing more. Um, somebody is uh, on the lower end of that spectrum might be operating less. But what the big part to always remember is capacity is how much we can use at the same time. Mm. That's not what's available because you have a brain and therefore you can use 100% of it, just not all at the same time. Um, so you learn as you're going through life how you process things in order for you to make the best possible opportunities for yourself. And that should not be any different when it comes to your magical processing. So like I say, I'm going to go back to the ADHD and say, well, actually, temporarily, you experience time differently to someone that is neurotypical mm. how is that an advantage to you in practice you know does that mean that actually if you were to do a complicated spell with multiple spinning plates you would be able to focus on that easier than someone who is neurotypical potentially based on the fact that your mind is able to be in all those places at the same time if you were to push it there is so many things that adhd can become that superpower the way in which you are processing information with that so-called disability um why i have trouble with the word um how you process is different what is important for you is how do i lean into that when it serves me how do I pull away from that when it doesn't serve me? Now, you have to do that in your normal life, but you also have to consider what are the applications in 
a magical sense. Um, I have the beauty of working with um, so-called disabled people every day. Um, and I see new ways in which they think of things that I couldn't possibly think of. Um, and I actually can't help but figure out how that would have an application as a magical being. Um, so, you know, because you see the problem solving in a completely different way to how a neurotypical person would think. So, you know, I, I really want to kind of push that. As we only have about 15 minutes left, the other part that people are going to be less comfortable with me talking about, even more so than disability, and the reason for that is because it affects more of us, um, is mental health. And I kind of want to touch on that in the last kind of 15 minutes because having that consideration, regardless of whether or not you're currently affected by it or have to be done in your past, um, I consider mental health to be something you never really get rid of. You just learn to manage it better. Um, I don't consider it like disease where it has a cure, uh, potentially, or a way to fix it. Um, what you tend to do is once you uh, have discovered a mental health kink of some description, you're spending the rest of life trying to man manage that the best that you can. Now, from a magical point of view, that has its own challenges. And I'm sure Liam will jump in when he feels wants, he wants to about this. Beep. Is there are ways in which that you know you are affected by things you also need to figure out as well as knowing why because everybody wants to know why um you also need to think about how that will affect you on a magical level so as that kind of gateway or that bridge between that conscious mind and the astral body a lot of people try and go through your subconscious if that is part of your way of processing to get through to astral work, if that's got to navigate the dark mental healthy waters that you need to get through in order to get to your astral body, that that can naturally, you should be seeing alarm bells there of going, oh, fuck, um, that might be a little bit more difficult than I thought. Um, you're either going to have to adapt to other ways of accessing your astral body that don't involve you having to go, through your um, subconscious or you need to actually find some way to magically assist yourself to make that pathway clearer or deal with your fucking mental health but uh, you know i'm not allowed to say that bit um you just did um so yeah so there are lots of lots of potential challenges that could occur around there due to the fact that this is one of those things that affects most people at some point in their life. But having an awareness of where your weaknesses are, and again, people are going to struggle with that word weakness, um, but I'm I'm not um, got my woke hat on today. I want to talk brass tacks about actually, Ooh. these are things that need to be considered as part of your magical journey. Um, and you need to be aware of what what pitfalls you naturally have and don't. Now, like Liam said, there are too many variations for us to talk about everything, which is why I'm having to talk so generally about it, which is what will make people uncomfortable. Um, but ultimately, you need to consider what boxes you fit into and how those are going to impact you on a magical level. Are some of them you're going to have to find adaptations for yourself to actually work with them better? Are there some of them that you're going to just have to temporarily ignore until you've got the others dealt with? Now, those are obviously the mental health ones. So deal with the mental health and then uh, potentially your magical practice will be easier. Um, the same way as there are the physical changes that can happen to people as life goes on. We deal with a lot of people post-menopause, post-pregnancy, post-trauma, 
um, they're all kind of big physiological changes um, that have to be considered when you're thinking about what what changes may have happened to my magical chemistry as well as my physiological ones. Anything you want to jump in there, Liam, while I'm mid-rant? <clears throat> I got a computer in front of me because we're talking ease of access. If the screen on my phone or on my computer breaks, you know, it's physical. It's a hardware issue. We get very angry. We think, oh, for fuck's sake, I've got to buy a new screen now. Can't fucking see it. Got to deal with it. Got to fix it. But we know it's the screen. Okay. How do people react, though, compared to my keyboard stopped working, my mouse has stopped working, my screen stopped working, versus when the little spinny thing goes around and around and around, or something gets stuck? It's a software issue. Software issues people have no time for. People don't care about. People think that should never happen. It's not supposed to do that. Computers aren't supposed to do that. I can understand the physical components break down. The screen will break down. If I drop my phone on the floor, I understand that I'm going to fucking break it, even though it's made of toughened helicopter glass and Apple reckon you can't break it. I've dropped my phone enough times to know and slammed it in the door and dropped it off the scaffold to know that it breaks the toughened helicopter glass. And I look at that and I think personally, that was my fucking fault. Or there was a situation that came about that meant that there was a physical break. People don't ever really understand why their phone slows down, apart from Apple obviously forcing them to slow down purposely so you buy a new one. Um, people don't understand why why the screen, why things freeze, why things have to be rebooted, why you get the blue screen of death from back in the day in the way in which we view how computers work. We also view people I think in a very similar way. We think, oh, Definitely. person, their, their legs don't work. You know, I can understand that because I can see it. I, mm -hmm. I want my legs to work. I've never had a cracked screen. I've never had this. I've never had that. I've ne my keyboard always works. But I can understand or try to understand that. What people can't understand is probably the psychological aspects, the mental health things, which people think that we're getting better at. It. People think we're getting better at it. What we're actually getting better at thinking is entitlement, I think, for my two cents. I think what mental health means to most, when it's viewed and when it's picked up, what mental health tends to mean is that person's upset. That person on the inside is upset. That person on the inside is crying or is unhappy or is something like that. They think emotion. What is the definition of mental health? Mental health refers to cognitive, behavioural and emotional well-being. Well-being is what we look at. We Nowadays, there's this big thing about the, the snowflake generation, kids being entitled and such. And that can be a good thing because when people say, fuck that, I ain't working for that pittance and going down the mines, you can fuck right off then the money gets raised, the health and safety ends up going a little bit better and such like that. So there can be some aspects to being a whiny, whinging, entitled person, but also there's some negatives to being too whiny and whinging and entitled. And when it comes to mental health, it seems to be all about everyone is unhappy and we need to take it seriously. When in reality, I think it's more about everyone's an individual and the component parts of that individual that we do not see, we still need to take seriously. We still need to understand. So it's a generalisation, and I don't think people still do to this day, except, and the people, the advocates, all these advocates, ease of access, disability and stuff, I think are the worst. Because they're the people that are turning around saying, we're all equal and the same. 
we're not we're not all the same it needs to start with everyone understanding that everyone is different you are different to every other person you will ever meet and some of those differences will be highlighted physically and it'll be easy to spot many of which most of which all of which you won't get it right you aren't going to know everyone else most people don't even know themselves so how are they expecting to know other people if they don't even know themselves how can you expect someone to love you if you do not love yourself i could go on and on i don't know take from that what you will people <laughs> we got five minutes chris that was that was a beautiful um computerization of exactly what happens from a robot from a robot it was wonderful um oh. so you know there is that understanding and ultimately i think that bit i'm going to hang on to a little bit longer is that we are all different magically even more so mm. um this is the biggest problem we have with kind of um witchcraft live and people kind of talking about their experiences um yes we encourage talk as much as you can please um, that is a definite good thing. The main reason for that is we want you all to see how it is completely different for every single one of you. Um, you'll have the occasional similarities where things, because ultimately, yes, the mechanics are the same. Um, you know, in the sense that you all have hearts. Um, you know, okay. I, I meant. I meant physically. We weren't talking uh, the pump, the pump that pushes your blood around. You know, you all have brains. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know about that one either. <laughs> yeah. But my point is, physio the physiology, the hardware, mm. is somewhat similar. Mm. It's not the same. It is mm. somewhat similar. Yeah. And so what we all do is go. Well, they've got one just like me. And like, well, they haven't got one just like you. It's no, completely different. More sensitive than the top in others, and vice versa. You know, so when you then add the complexities of multiple dimensional being, yeah, you then have additional <laughs> complications with what all those configurations can look like, because they're not restricted by what is physical. Mm. So. At that point, all of that becomes intangible. So anything beyond the conscious mind <laughs> is in that realm of untangible, which means there are so many variations for all of you that you will not have that experience the same. Not a single one of you will overlap and it be same. You may have similar you know application similar looks similar changes but none of them are the same and i just really want you to take that in because and share as much as you possibly can just to highlight that exact fact is even when they are similar they are not the same because too many of you focus on what is similar and not what is different between you all mm. and that's because society says we're not supposed to focus yeah. on <laughs> says we're not supposed to fo focus on difference mm. what is different between you is what you're going to learn from the differences between your practices is where those golden nuggets are for you to find because how would, what would you have to do to do that different thing that somebody else did? Because that's where the coolness is, is kind of going, fuck, not only can I do it the natural way that comes to me, I can also do it the way that that person over there is doing it and that person over there is doing it. And I know exactly how that works because that's what me and Liam do. Mm. Me and Liam look at all your practice all of you individually and we understand how you work and it's not because it's similar 
to the way in which we work, it is because it is different and we see the difference. I think we're going to end there, unless you have some pearl to finish on, Liam. Well, Chris, the world is like